Almost a year and a half on from the February earthquake, and many are frustrated over the speed of the rebuild in Christchurch. Insight investigates when reconstruction might really get underway. The main hold-up to the rebuild in Christchurch is insurance. 16 months on, insurance companies are reluctant to settle, while the chances of a major aftershock remain high, because of the risk they will only have to pay out for further damage. And the risk is a real one, with large earthquakes continuing to knock the city back, just as residents begin to feel like the quakes are behind them. A magnitude 5.8 quake towards the end of last year was the fifth major shake to hit the city in just over a year. I'm Conan Young and this insight will explore why the rebuild has been slow to start and the sort of city Christchurch could become once the work has been completed. With the delays, insurers are not even a quarter of the way through settling claims with householders and the date by which the rebuild will get into full swing has been pushed out to next year at the earliest. The Insurance Council's Chief Executive, Chris Ryan, says each time insurers are having to return to already affected homes to work out if any further damage has been caused. Each event generates a new claim. With the clock constantly being reset, he says it could take up to 10 years for the rebuild to be completed. This series of earthquakes from September 2010 until now was probably one of the most complex events in insurance history. We've had at least five very major earthquakes during the last year and a half. We've had 10,000 aftershocks. We've had liquefaction that goes right throughout the city. And I'm aware of numerous rebuilds that have been destroyed by aftershocks. The whole landscape of Canterbury has changed. The whole issue of insurance around New Zealand has changed as a consequence as well. You look at some of the worst events around the world, they generally tend to be one-offs, whether it be cyclones or even tsunamis. There's been 10,000 aftershocks here and they're continuing, so that has changed the nature of this event and made it far more destructive and difficult to resolve. The 7,000 households in the residential red zone have been largely able to move on with their lives. The government is paying them out, taking over their properties and any insurance claims still pending. But the news hasn't been as favourable for around 10,000 homeowners, classed as Technical Category 3 or TC3. Unlike the future of those in the red zone, the fate of this group, which includes homes spread right across the city, is largely an untold story. Having the TC3 or blue-green label slapped on your house means your property has been deemed prone to liquefaction, but potentially economic to repair. The Earthquake Commission, or EQC, started testing in April to establish which land can be rebuilt on and the type of foundations properties will need. The work has started with 4,000 of the worst affected sections. While these homeowners have been told it will take up to nine months before they will get an answer on the future of their land, the remaining 6,000 residents, many living in damaged homes, still have no time frame for when the tests will be completed and when permanent repairs can be carried out on their houses. The riverside suburb of Avondale is made up of hundreds of TC3 homes, including the one belonging to the president of the Avondale Residents Association, Adrian Lingard. At a meeting to discuss earthquake issues, she told me the wait for an answer over whether their land can be used again has become intolerable for her and her neighbours. She says many would prefer to be red zoned. They're sitting in these houses that are broken, just surrounded by other broken houses. If they look out the street and that's a red zone, they see these lucky people that are moving on with their lives. A lot of them are moving into subdivisions where there's just no sign of damage. 
and yet these people still have to drive over bumpy roads, walk over broken footpaths, put up with quite harsh living circumstances really. So we need to know, we need to know quickly what is ahead of us, but if these geotechnical reports take a long time too, that's a winter to have got through. I sort of feel fortunate myself that I can jump in a car and I can drive off to work and I actually get away from it and be a normal person for a day and then I come back into it. But if I had to sit and look at this every day, yeah. Everyone's always stealing your stuff and that's why you need to insure yourself New Zealand. IAG is the biggest provider of household insurance in Christchurch through brands including AMI, State and NZI. Its Christchurch spokesperson, Renee Walker, says insurers are now looking at helping to fund the testing themselves as a way to speed up the rebuild in the suburbs. That's one of the things that we're looking at. If insurers do take part in the program, do we have the ability to bring in more rigs? How long would that take? Where do they come in from? How will that allow us to speed up the program? I think for everyone, and speaking as a TC3 customer, what we need to know is how long the entire program is. And so it's six to nine months for that first list of suburbs, but then how long is it before we get to the next list and finish those? And if people had more certainty around that, I think you're quite happy to wait if you know how long you're waiting for. It's really the unknowns that we need to try and clear up for customers. Miss Walker says IAG is settling with its worst affected customers first, including the elderly and families with young children and those who can no longer live in their homes. She anticipates settling all claims within five years, and she insists that delaying the rebuild is not in her company's best interests. It definitely is in everyone's interest to make this pro the process happen as quickly as possible. If we look at things like slowing down or taking three more years to do it, we obviously then look at issues like inflation and building costs and labour costs will go up. At the moment there is still an abundance of resource in Christchurch, so there are still builders that have capacity to get underway, there's still resource available, there's still materials available and to think that delaying will save us money, in actual fact it will probably cost us money. Renee Walker says IAG is no longer offering quake insurance to new customers and is unable to say when or if this will change in future. Insurance issues are also threatening the pace of the rebuild in the central business district. Good morning. Yep, just uh, that one's ends today. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, we're in for an hour or so. Sweet, thanks. I ventured inside the cordoned off red zone to talk to the owner of one of the few high-rises which will still be standing once the demolition of the rest of the city is complete. Restaurant is all ready to go. Ernest Duval says his 22-storey Pacific Tower building, which is also home to one of the city's largest hotels, withstood the quakes better than most, largely due to the steel columns and beams used in its construction, rather than the more common option of reinforced concrete. Where are we going to here? Well, we're heading up to level 22, which is the uh, top floor of the building. There's a bit of work going on there, and then from there we can walk onto the roof and then you can get a panorama of the city. 80% of the city will eventually be demolished. Large parts of the central business district were supposed to be open by Easter. But the complexity of demolishing some of the city's high-rises, including the two tallest buildings in town, means full access won't be possible until the end of this year at the earliest, almost two years after the February earthquake. This will be the uh, 
highest point in the city very shortly once the Price Waterhouse building comes down and uh, you have really quite a spectacular view. So we're now on the roof. Yep, this would be the, the 23rd uh, level of the building. You can see uh, very clearly just what's been demolished and also what's yet to come. The BNZ building's coming down uh, and that's just what we can see from here and just what I know of. And it's not just large commercial buildings coming down in the CBD. Look at that, you can see them demolishing the cathedral as, you know, debate rages on keeping it and so forth. How does, that, how does that make you feel as a Canterbury and watching that, what we're seeing right now? Well, I'm saddened in a way because the cathedral's been a part of my life as it has been for most Cantabrians. And my son was a chorister in the cathedral for five years, so we spent a lot of time there. Just how long it will take before new buildings can rise from the rubble of the central business district is still very much an open question. Ernest Duval says nothing can happen without reinsurance. But he says the cost of securing protection as part of an existing policy is now so great that insurance is almost not worth having. Previously your excess was 2.5% of a claim, which wasn't too bad. But now with the insurance that's being offered, um, the excesses have moved from 2.5% of claim to 5-10% to of site value. So what that means is let's say you had a $10 million building. Well prior to September the 4th, 2010, if you had a $1 million claim on that building, you'd pay 2.5% of that. So you'd pay $25,000 as your excess. Now the same building may have an excess of 5 to 10%, which means the excess would be $500,000 to $1 million. Chris Ryan says the days of affordable earthquake insurance could be coming to an end. The worst case scenario would be like it is in California or in Japan, where you can only insure a certain percentage of your property and you're required to take the rest of that risk on yourself. But I, at the moment I don't believe that's going to happen. I think what you're going to see is insurers saying to their customers, we need to be absolutely clear about what the risk is that we're covering so we won't give you just a carte blanche and say we'll provide insurance for this property. We'll ask you a much more complex list of questions about the structural integrity of it, the use of it, the land it's on, the sort of internal protections it has like uh, sprinklers and then we'll price it accordingly so they won't be like there was in the past where generally speaking everybody in a competitive market was able to get insurance at roughly the same cost. Chris Ryan says in the last year reinsurers have had to pay out for the earthquakes in Christchurch, floods and cyclones in Australia and major flooding in Bangkok meaning an increase in the cost of reinsurance is inevitable. He says whether they decide to pull out of providing earthquake insurance in New Zealand altogether is still up in the air. Meanwhile, Ernest Duval says many property owners are now taking their payouts and reinvesting outside of Christchurch. The two significant dates for most property owners in Christchurch was the 4th of September 2011 and the 22nd of February 2012 because those, those were the anniversaries for the cessation of their one year's loss of rents cover. So, you know, you can understand them uh, making those decisions because they they get their income from rentals. Once that 12-month period ceased, then they ceased to have income. So they had no choice but to reinvest outside of the CBD in order to restore their income. The Christchurch-based economist Robin Clements says many businesses previously based in the centre are unlikely to return, with large employers such as the Inland Revenue Department already signing up to a long-term lease on the edge of the city. You know, each time a survey is undertaken, there seems to be a, a smaller percentage that intend to move back. You know, I've always said that uh, 
it's likely that we should drop the B out of the CBD. It'll be the centre of the city, but I don't envisage it being the central business district again. You know, there are a lot of businesses who have probably now found that um, the suburbs are more than meet their requirements. Their workers don't like the idea of going back to high-rise buildings. They enjoy the flexibility of driving in the suburbs, uh, avoiding the, uh, the the CBD as it was. But then, you know, you look at all the issues that were around um, with to do with the, the CBD. You know, it was a dying retail district, if you like. How many attempts did we have to rejuvenate the, the square and the centre city? You know, do we have cars going through? Do we not? You know, so, you know, the CBD was in trouble, if you like, prior to the earthquake. And um, you know, now we have the opportunity to rethink the idea. Uh, well, good morning, and uh, thank you for uh, coming along to uh, this uh, announcement this morning. In April, the government stepped in to push the rebuild of the central city forward with the setting up of the Central Christchurch Development Unit. Headed by the Canterbury Earthquake Recovery Authority's demolitions manager, Warwick Isaacs, the unit has 100 days to come up with a blueprint for the CBD. This will include the location of 10 key anchor projects, including sport and recreation facilities and a convention centre, which it's hoped will attract complementary developments such as hotels, bars and restaurants. What we get out of this as a city has to ensure that we have a great future, that it has to be that city that we hoped for in those darkest hours. The blueprint will draw heavily on the draft Central City Plan, formulated by the Christchurch City Council, which talks about encouraging more green space, low-rise development and precincts, which will group together like activities such as hospitality or information technology businesses. The Earthquake Recovery Minister, Jerry Brownlee, says the council will still be involved in implementing the plan. But he says it's necessary for the government to take the lead so that issues such as acquiring large tracts of land can be sorted out quickly, using the Earthquake Authority's special powers. The government has yet to reveal how much it's willing to contribute towards the construction of projects such as a convention centre. And Jerry Brownlee is not ruling out an arrangement similar to the one being negotiated with Sky City for a convention centre in Auckland. When you're building something new like this, where you're not tied to any old structures, your opportunities for financing those sort of projects are pretty much on a clean slate. We would hope that we can look at all sorts of options for the funding of those things. Things like convention centres, nowhere in the world do they pay their way, but it's the ancillary activity that you get out of the ability to attract three or 4,000 people to your city for an event. This is where the, uh, the real attraction lies. So, you know, the opportunity to partner with people who are going to benefit from those uh, visitor numbers is something that we'll need to explore as well. But before any of these projects can get off the ground, the demolition of 1,800 buildings inside the central city needs to be completed. After predicting large parts of the central city would be open by the middle of this year, the Canterbury Earthquake Recovery Authority is now refusing to put a date on when business can resume in the centre of the city. Getting the rebuild of the central city right is vital for the likes of Michael Turner, the owner of Valentino's Restaurant, a popular eatery close to the old convention centre and town hall. His two-storey business was totally destroyed in February's earthquake. We spoke at a cafe on the edge of the four avenues, which like many previously quiet businesses, is benefiting from being one of the few places left standing. With months of inaction mounting up, Michael Turner is keen to see the sort of prompt action the government is promising. He says without this intervention there's a real danger property owners will simply sit on their empty lots in a kind of Mexican standoff, 
waiting for the next person to make the first move and lead the rebuild. A lot of people have just left Christchurch. They've left their land and probably would hope that the government would come along and, and compulsory acquire it. With so many small holders of land, there's going to be this missing tooth syndrome where you've, you've got all these little empty pockets of land with weeds and all sorts of things growing on them. And it's not going to provide an attractive city, not to provide much encouragement for anyone that does want to rebuild if, if they know that there's not going to be anything within them for 50 metres. Michael Turner almost left the city himself after it was revealed it would be uneconomic to rebuild on the land his restaurant formerly occupied. My 10-year-old son, 6-year-old daughter, they were enthusiastic up until the moment that we came back from Auckland and said that we'd found a business and my son, and he'll kill me if he hears I've said this on the radio, told me that he'd rather go and live in an orphanage than go to Auckland. So given the challenges of trying to establish a new business and uh, keep the family happy as well as relocate, we decided, we made a commitment that we would do everything we could to try and find somewhere else to establish our business here and um, I think we're pretty close to doing that. So what could a rebuilt CBD look like? The Christchurch-born architect Ian Athfield, who has made the architectural ambassador for the city by the Architectural Institute, says the central city will have a very different feel to what it had before. The CBD will still be important, but the importance of it might be less than the CBD of Wellington, for instance, or of Auckland. It may mean that um, the roading configuration will change the way that you move through or around the city will have to change in relationship to the density that is achieved within the city itself or within the CPD. Uh, you know, it might be a, a necklace of uh, opportunities rather than a great central space and uh, a radial city. He says while a lot of what made the centre special before has gone, there are still some landmarks which will continue to provide the city with its unique character. We've got things which act as Droidgar already haven't changed. The Botanical Gardens has about 1.5 million visitors a year. The uh, Art Centre has um, about a million people per year. That's going to stay. There are some good uh, heritage buildings going to be left. He says the trick will be building around these landmarks in a sympathetic fashion. You don't want competing icons happening in the city. You actually want people to feel comfortable what takes place in the city. There's a lot to do with uh, open space, the relationship between open space and buildings, uh, how streets work and their relationship with the buildings, how lanes work, what activity you get at ground floor level. That's not all architectural. While the look of the central city is still very much a work in progress, the future look of the suburbs and towns surrounding Christchurch, which have escaped earthquake damage, is already taking shape. Most of the 7,000 homeowners declared part of the red zone in the eastern suburbs and north of the city have now accepted the government offer and moved on. In many cases they've left the city altogether, choosing to make a life for themselves elsewhere in New Zealand or overseas. Others have moved to towns and settlements surrounding Christchurch, with predictions districts such as Waimakariri will grow by up to 25% in the next 10 years. Chris and Courtney Noitzi and their two preschool-aged daughters, formerly of Avondale in Christchurch's red-zoned eastern suburbs, have joined the exodus. After searching far and wide, they settled on the town of Rangiora, half an hour's drive north of the city and with a population of 12,000. We really liked Avondale and we couldn't find anywhere else. 
think first we went to Woodend and then mm. we just kept driving around and once we got to Rangiora we just really liked it instantly actually. Mm. We felt it would be safer out here for the kids as well with not feeling the earthquakes as much out here as well that was definitely a factor. Schools look nice. Yeah everything just looked nice and new and clean and remember Brooke saying mum there's nothing broken and there's no mud anywhere so that was pretty cool and you know the whole time we've been out here I think we've only felt maybe two compared to the constant in town. It was more important I think for us to get out for Brooke's sake wasn't it? She wasn't doing so well. The Noitsies received enough money from their red zone payout to enable them to buy a brand new house in a new subdivision. They're renting in Rangi Order at the moment and hope to move into their new home by the end of the year. And they're not alone, with a number of former residents from the red zone moving into the same street. We were hoping to lose the label red zone by coming out here. Everyone's just got a terrible thing in common, but it looks like we're going to be surrounded by red zoners, which a lot of Rangiura people actually don't like the fact that there's all these red zone people coming out here and you get, you have heard of, we have heard a few snide comments. The Noitsies say not everybody in the red zone has been as fortunate as them, including a number of their former neighbours. Some friends in particular were pretty much mortgage free in a tiny little house but that was the way they liked it, they only had one child, spent their weekends skiing and now they've been forced out and into a position where they've got a mortgage. There were some horror stories in our street with elderly people who had taken up reverse mortgages in the past thinking that they would never need to use the equity in their home for anything else. Oh, the elderly are definitely the ones that got affected the most because well they don't want to move out of Avondale because that's where they know everyone. Also they don't think they can afford anywhere else and actually they're the ones unfortunately that are still there. An associate professor at Lincoln University's Property Studies Department, John McDonough, says most of the new subdivisions going in now are the same as those being developed before the earthquakes, large homes on ever smaller sections and aimed at the top end of the market. He says these are out of the reach of many from the red zone and won't help address the current housing shortage at the lower end of the market. For John McDonough, the demolition of three quarters of the CBD represents a real opportunity to meet this demand and he's glad to see a preference for high to medium density housing in the council's draft central city plan. The problem is drawing on the plan doesn't actually make it happen. It's only when the developers and the uh, purchasers of those properties actually get their checkbooks out and start writing the checks that this will actually happen. There's got to be a margin in it for the developer, it's got to cater for the needs of the potential uh, customers of the developer, and most of all it's got to be affordable to those parties. We really need to be adding space in the sort of $300,000, $300 a week end of the market if we're going to get the central city coming alive again with uh, residential tenants. But he says this type of housing isn't without its risks. There's been plenty of examples in Auckland, for example, where people have built pretty low-cost inner-city apartments and they've come in for a lot of criticism. And by the same token, there are a lot of risks in this type of development for developers that they're perhaps not used to facing. There's the whole uh, body corporate dealing with different types of ownership that New Zealanders are less comfortable with than sitting on their own piece of dirt with their own house on it. It was hard enough to make this type of thing work before the earthquake when there was good reasons to live within the central city, a, a lively nightlife, being close to your workplace, people on the streets. Now almost all of that is gone, and so prices are going to have to be substantially lower than they were prior to the earthquake to make this work at a time when the actual construction costs 
are going in the other direction. Ian Athfield says it's a case of build it and they will come. We do actually have to offer people alternatives. We quite often research uh, housing by asking people what they want and they can only account for what they have. We're starting to build better housing in the more denser cities in New Zealand and it should happen in Christchurch. We have to offer people alternatives. And some people will even go in, back into high-rise apartments. There are a number of requirements in housing and we're not meeting all of those. The pattern of the family has changed dramatically and uh, the needs of people on low income are also very important. Ian Athfield says the draft central city plans call for a moratorium on suburban shopping malls as a way to encourage retail development in the CBD is pointless. He says city planners are better off encouraging higher density housing around areas people already use. You can't turn the clock back and that's going to shape the city in the future. So you can't just say, OK, we don't want these shopping malls on the outskirts of the city. They're pretty healthy, the ones that are still standing right now. So you have to accept it and you have to build it into your programme and the future design. So you are going to get a balance of, of spaces where people will be very, very happy about living close to the mall in Rickerton, for instance. The mall drags people in. It also means it's not a bad place to be when you, you have to walk to the shop rather than drive. So you're not going to be able to stop that or change that to a great extent. The Earthquake Recovery Minister, Jerry Brownlee, says new land is available around the edges of the city thanks to the fast tracking of the Canterbury Regional Council's urban development strategy. This allows for growth right out to 2040, with housing developers able to apply for resource consents to build on these greenfield sites starting now. If all of that was developed, that would be a very large number of sections indeed. What we would of course want to do is look over the next five years, because I think we have got time on our side on this, given the amount of land that's available now, to see just what else needs to be done so that there could be, in time, a new plan for another 50 years out. But the Christchurch-based economist Robin Clements says the government needs to go further in freeing up land and streamlining the resource consent process. He says doing this will not only bring down prices, but also help to avoid a looming housing crisis. If we deal with some of these issues of housing affordability and make Christchurch, Canterbury and arguably New Zealand an attractive place to live because people can get housing at a cost that's affordable, then that will attract people too. You get population growth, you get growth. The vision that we have for the central city, the open spaces, the environmentally friendly, low rise, etc., I think you know, in five to ten years will be an extremely appealing place it could be a showcase globally of what you can do when you reinvent a city. The Central Christchurch Development Unit has already chosen a group of architectural firms to draw up a blueprint for the Central Business District, still in the process of being flattened. Led by the Christchurch-based firm Boffer Miskill, the consortium has until next month to come up with its plan for what the CBD will look like and where crucial anchor projects will be placed. The aim will be to create something special that private investors and Cantabrians feel inspired by and want to be a part of. I'm Conan Young and that's Insight for this week. If you would like to contact us you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet us at rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Colette Jansen.